I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DFS podcast. We have got the US Open this week and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. Really excited for this week. We're kind of right in my backyard. I've been looking forward to this one for a couple of years, so uh, really excited about this event. Disclaimer that I had at the start of the week, I have got some sort of allergy or cold or flu that isn't COVID and I can't stop coughing, so uh, if I do that, uh, during this podcast, please don't hate me. Uh, it won't be a forever thing, uh, and Matt has to put up with it more than you do. So just just pray for him, uh, pray for Matt Vincenzi on Twitter, and uh, we will uh, we will get through it the best we can. I will try and find a mute button as often as possible. Um, U.S. Open. It's at uh, the Country Cup in Brookline. It's a touch over seventy two hundred yards. Is that correct? Yep. Um, what do we expect from this golf course? Like. It looks like a golf course where we can get a wide range of players in. I don't think it's going to suit short hitters better than ever. Like, I don't necessarily think that, although my card might suggest that later on in the week. But, like, I do think it allows them the chance to come in. I think there's been some kind of talk that Merion might be a suitable course to talk about. You look at one of the shorter US Opens recently at Pebble Beach. You've seen sort of Ches Reeve and Chesson Hadley uh, at the top there as well. But, like... Ultimately, with the US Open, we, we were just going for it on the betting show. Like the, the top 10 on the leaderboard are generally the elites. And then there's just one guy, like there was Guido last year, Ches Reeve the year before. Um, I can't remember who it was at Wingfoot, but there's always just one guy that, that kind of sticks out. And otherwise, they're all pretty predictable. Yeah, I, I think this golf course, you know, you, you're going to need to play from the fairway. Uh, I read an article that interviewed the Harvard golf team, and they were talking a lot about how the rough is so unpredictable and you get in the rough and they said a lot, most times you can't advance it more than 150 yards from the rough because it's so thick. And, um, and if you get way off offline, uh, there's, you know, fescue. So deep, deep fescue. And, and then you can catch some flyers too, which is, you know, so it's just very unpredictable. So I think guys who hit the fairway, even if it's not as long as, you know, we usually say U S open is long and straight. Yeah. I think, you might not have to be quite as long, although distance is obviously going to help because I still think, you know, that with the small greens, the long irons are going to be tough to hold. So I still think you want to be long, but straight is probably a little more important than long this week. Yeah, I mean, it's just really tough because like everything the U.S., as you just sort of alluded to there, everything over the last few years has, has just said that you will need to... Uh you'll need to be longer than you are straight. Like that's just that's just been the thing, right? And yeah, you know, I I don't know that'll necessarily change. Like I think how you win could could depend you know, depend on the fairways you hit and things like that. But ultimately I still think the guys at the top of the market that hit the ball longer will be the ones that feature. Just because you know, just okay, they might be more, you know, inaccurate, but they're the ones that can advance the balls like further do you know what i mean like out of that rough and you talk about they can only advance it 150 maybe like a you know one of the bigger hitters can go 170 or whatever you know it was you know the bryson approach at Wingfoot, maybe not quite as extreme as that but i think it's four times over the last 18 years that the winners ranked higher for accuracy over distance in the us open and 13 or last 18 winners are ranked inside the top 10 for driving distance so that's from steve rawlings on betfair so Lots to uh, lots points towards driving distance. It just feels like the golf course 
does let these shorter hitters in now. I don't think it's going to be like as extreme as like Olympic Club in 2012, where it just felt like everyone was kind of a short hitter. But I do think there's probably a fine balance. I think we'll see two or three guys that, that are slightly shorter off the tee contend. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I like to look this week at a lot of the Northeast guys who have had success in this area, just because the aesthetics are so different and the agronomy is so different. It's just kind of a different style of golf. And um, you see a lot of the guys have had a success on all these types of courses in this area a lot. And, you know, so for the last couple of years, like I said, I've been looking forward to this. I've been thinking about the guys who do so well around here. And I was expecting to come in this week and looking at DJ Brooks and Bryson and things have have just changed so much that now I feel a little bit lost because those guys have been so dominant in this area. And there's really, you know, there's definitely cases to make against pretty much everybody in this field. And it's, it's a very strange time in golf to where the typical guys who you think of as the best type of U S open players, none of them are really playing that well besides one. So we'll see. Yeah. It's tough, right? Those three guys you mentioned there, um, they were just, they've still been in my thoughts. Like, even for this mm. week, like Brooks is really, really hard to always just completely ignoring the US Open. DJ, I just, he didn't play great in the live event last week. He played okay enough to kind of reaffirm why he's there, but like he didn't excel as he should have done. Then you've got Bryson who's just unfit or rushed back or whatever. So I don't, I don't necessarily trust Bryson. I don't think, I think his strengths are going to be negated completely. But in terms of Brooks and DJ, I still think, like, is DJ just going to have a massive weight lifted off his shoulders that now the news is out and the event's done and he's been paid? And I, I think he's probably more just worried about the fact that he's been paid. I don't think he cares what anyone else thinks. But, like, just, just having that all signed up and out of the way and ready to go. I think so. I think so. And we'll, I guess, get into him when we get into the that 9K range. But, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think he's playing better than maybe people kind of think. He did lead He did lead uh, the weekend Eagles. He had three Eagles in three days. Um, and that golf course wasn't easy, and you did have to find the have to find the fairway. So, uh, you know, interesting to see him playing. I think he I think he played decent. Yeah, he played fine. It was just one of those ones that like nothing struck me as like he's going to win the major next week, um, right. which I was kind of hoping for. I was hoping he was going to go win like six seven under like in the final round and just look like he was going to take something in. And because that that would really you know that would really put the cat amongst the pigeons if he goes and wins next week. That'd be an interesting uh, scene. But um, until you, you mentioned events in this area, and I'm just thinking, would it be the Dell Tech uh, yeah. Deutsche Bank kind of event that that was at TBC Boston, right? Yep, that one, um, and that was the event I grew up going to, kind of every year. So TBC Boston, um, TBC River Highlands, which is a much different course, obviously, but you still have that northeast type of grass and agronomy and everything. Then you have um, Winged Foot in New York, um, Ridgewood in New Jersey, Bryson One. Uh, Bryce won the Northern Trust too. DJs won both in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Uh, Liberty National. Um, so this area, those three specifically have like just dominated in, in that area, uh, in in this area. That's Shinnecock as well. Shinnecock, yep. Brooks, you know, there. <coughs> well, it's uh, it's interesting. It's quite when you look at the the people that have kind of stood out. It, it does just cross over an awful lot. So 2020, obviously Bryson won at Winged Foot. Just thinking about who else played well there. Uh, DJ was sixth. Salatorius was sixth. Louis Tazen, third. Uh, yep. Definitely amongst the players that doesn't want to be named this week. Uh, but the, the, So that was another one. So th- this was the week where 
did you get one surprise name? Probably Zach Johnson was a surprise name at the 2020 US Open. He was in tied eighth. But you had Bryson beating Matthew Wolf in second, Ustay's in third, Harris English fourth, Sander Shoffley fifth, DJ Zalatari sixth, Finau, Zach, Rory, Webb, and JT in the eighth. Like, that to me, that's the perfect snapshot of like what to expect for US Open. Like, it's just, it's just going to be loaded with the best guys. Um, is it going to allow different skill sets in? Yes, I do think so. But again, you go back to Tory Pines last year, John Rahm beats Louis Ustazen again, Harris English third again, uh, Brooks Koepka, Guido Migliozzi, Colin Murakawa fourth, and then you've got Berger, Casey, Grace, Rory, Chocolat, Scheffler uh, in seventh. So again, just Guido Migliozzi sticks out. So I think there's there's room for one surprise, like one real true surprise, and everyone else you'll be able to make a case for. Um, but I do, I do think you'll be able to do it in different ways. I do think just people finding all the fairways and like a Ches Reevy at Pebble Beach, just being very, very solid uh, around the greens would help. But um, do you think there's a case that it can be overpowered? No. No. I don't think overpowered. I, I think you still have to be in the fairway. Like, could, could it be a long and straight, like a John Rahm or a Rory at their peak? Obviously, that's going to be very, very helpful. But I don't think you can spray. I don't think Matthew Wolf's coming in second here like he did at Winged Foot. Well, I, I think that's the thing, right? I think that's the misconception is like, with US Open, it's like you have to be long and you have to be able to advance out of the rough. And like when you hear long and straight, you just think of like, and they're not straight, but it's like Bryson, Rahm, Rory, Salatoris, right? You think about these longer hitters. And then you think, okay, well, that means if this one's going to be one way you have to play out the fairway, that means you can take those bombers out. And it's like, no, you don't take them out. They're just going to have to do it a different way. So if mm-hmm. Rory's going to contend here, he's going to do it by clubbing down and being sensible. Same with John Rahm. Um, do you think that negates their ability at all? No. Well, specifically with those guys, I think too, with like, I, I actually like it for Rory because it puts a long iron in his hand instead of the wedge. And if it's a long iron contest, he's going to win. Yeah. He's definitely um, not going to win a wedge contest at the moment, is he? No. Um, no. well, we say that though, but he's, I guess he's had a few wedges. I haven't watched the Canadian open full disclosure. I've been busy this weekend, but he's right up there. And I guess he's had some decent wedges in his hand this week. Yeah, it's a lot putting though. He's putting the wedge yeah. to like twenty, and he's made a lot. He's gained six strokes putting through three rounds, and he just drilled a twenty-five footer on one. So, with a wedge. Yeah, that kind of uh, that kind of says what it is. I'm just looking at his in-play stats. So going into into the final round, he was twenty-fourth in strokes gained approach. That kind of speaks to your point that actually he's probably not hitting it uh, quite as well as we maybe think he is at twelve under par. <clears throat> Do you think there's anything in people performing well at the the Canadian Open to going into this next week? I do. I mean, the guys who have been winning majors this year and, and, you know, playing well have just been playing well every week. And I just think it's, you know, we we sometimes try to outsmart ourselves and think, you know, course comps, which is all this stuff is useful. But lately, the guys who are playing the best are winning. And I think people playing well and, and, you know, coming to this week. And I also think the course comp isn't bad either. I mean, they're both claustrophobic courses. You can't play from the rough from either of them. So I think guys who play well this week, it's going to be a nice little... um, kind of run up of, of form for for next week any other course comps that you think you would make based on just other things that you've kind of been looking into i think the, the northeast thing as a whole I, I i really was into that and i i actually want to read a little um i made a model of all of all the courses in the northeast and who's played them the best um and i'm just gonna be the top 10 there okay um dj bryson brooks one two three easy then, the, then there's a drop off then you get cantley hideki ram louis Ustazen. Patrick Reed, Rory, uh, Abraham Answer, 
that's the top 10. And the thing is, it's all these guys that people don't like anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it, and, and that is going to skew... Is that going to, are you seeing that skewing ownership already? Like, oh, yeah. Like yeah. DJ, Bryson, um, Patrick Reed, like just not being owned because people don't like them because of what they've done? Yes, I do think so. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a huge factor. It's probably going to be a big part of my strategy this week. I'll go... I'll do a, a DJ and Louie in, in, um, in a lineup, and they're probably both going to be unowned. I'm, right now, I'm seeing DJ 4% at 9,400. Um, See, so wasn't Bryson at that kind of ownership when he won a wing foot? Was he yeah, like 5 6%? Yeah, he came in in shit form. I don't, he, he probably was close to that, yeah, maybe yeah. 7 or 8. He's at 1% right now. Yeah, I mean, he deserves to be 1% right now, right? right. Like, there's, I, I kept trying to take flyers on Bryson, and yeah, it's just, yeah. just not worth it. But, you know, DJ and Brooks and Louis, especially, are definitely different uh, candidates in that respect. But we'll come on to those as we get into the prices. Let's uh, actually go uh, into the price bracket. So we have got, what have we got there? Six players above the 10K range. Scotty Scheffler at 11.3. Justin Thomas at 10.9. John Rahm at 10.8. Rory McIlroy at 10.5. Cameron Smith 10.2. Colin Morikawa at 10. <coughs> Once again, is it going to be Rory McIlroy very popular because of the price discount? Yeah, he'll be the most popular, and every time I try to find an angle of this event to lead me away from him, it just leads back to him. Um, and I, I, I don't like it because I don't like backing him in majors that much, obviously because of he just hasn't shown the ability to win them, and he's you know, he's been a mental midget at times, and there's no there's no way around it. But recent form, you know, I think he's the best of these guys. Um, well, I mean, you, you know, JT has won the major, but I'm just saying peaking and, and rounding into form – course fit he's definitely one of the best um he it just reminds me a lot of john rom last year going into the u.s open like you're looking for reasons why he's not the guy but everything just kind of points to the fact that he probably is yeah i i agree with you i think i think for me he's the most reliable i think mm-hmm. any any one of these can obviously pink i guess maybe scheffler i guess there's the argument for scheffler as well but um i i just think it's the most obvious i think especially you know a recordingist before the conclusion of the Canadian Open. Uh, and Roy McIlroy is currently tied uh, with, with Tony Finau on 12 on the par going into the third and fourth hole. But I, I, I sort of think, I just want to see what he does. Like, I, and if he wins tonight, I will be in on him. Like, I don't, I'll eat the chalk. I don't really care. Like, I don't think I'll bet him because I just, Roy betting and majors just seems to break my heart a little bit. But... I just think you'd have to go in there. I just I can just see him turning a, a win the week before into a win the major as well. I think that's how he'd get back into major winning form. I think so too. And you know you could always find a way to pair two of these guys together because the pricing is so it's so deep. I mean you can play Adam Scott at seventy one hundred or something. You know and go along with these two guys up top like and get and maybe the other guy's the winner or or maybe you know Rory backdoors that it does what he does. I do think he can win. Um, and you know also the trends. Then you kind of see you want guys who have played well in the recent major. Scotty Scheffler missed the cut of his last major. Yeah. Rom um, has been awful. He lost strokes off the tee. You can't. You know, um, I saw a trend piece that Steve Bamford did about guys who, the previous start, all you know, like I think for the past five U.S. Opens, the guy um, was top five and in, in, in stroke gained off the tee. So that's kind of concerning for Rom. Yeah, it's weird because like. <clears throat> 
in general, Rahm's been the guy right off the tee. Like it, he, for a long period of time now, he's been the one. Um, and it, it, you know, it's ultra reliable, and he's been the person that's let him down. But I'm just not convinced by John Rahm at the moment. Like, and I'm not convinced by Justin Thomas in the U.S. Open. Like, I, I was very happy with him at the PGA Championship and just different setup there. But I just, yeah, I do not like him in the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open record is pretty torrid. Uh, and, and the times that he's done well in, in finishing some top 10 there, I think it was Aaron Hills. Was he top 10? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> he was so he was top 10 at Aaron Hills and he was also top 10 at Wingfoot. I think it was. I think he had a 36 hole lead, if I remember correctly, at, at Wingfoot. Or he was he was up there and he kind of just, you know, pissed away on the weekend. Yeah. He, I think so he opened. He, yeah. Go ahead. He led after the first round at Wingfoot and then he shot three over par on the second day and was two back of Reed. Yep. I was on JT and Reed that week. I thought I was great going into the weekend. And then Reed, uh, and then JT just collapsed over the weekend, right? And <clears throat> I would see that happening again. Like I, I just think he's not the same guy that's got the power of getting out of that rough. Like I think he can get a bit wild off the tee, and you know, yes, he can. He can deal with that, but I wouldn't want to rely on it. And I think like, it's the yeah. same same case for Cameron Smith. Like I was, I thought it was a good idea last week uh and then round one he just showed exactly what could happen to him and if he does what he did in round one last week at the u.s open it's going to be tragically worse as well yeah he's doing it today too i've been tracking him a little bit he's kind of all over the place because i was thinking if his number drifts is there a guy who you know a top guy who might be overlooked but he and morikawa are probably going to be the overlooked guys in this range in terms of ownership um everyone's just going to go to rory or shuffler does that mean that you take one of them in the hope they just have a good week with the driver? Yeah, I, with Smith, it's like he does it in such unconventional ways. Like, and you know, with that being said, I don't think you can do that here. We're in places where, but sometimes you say he you can't do that, and he does it anyway. He's just yeah. so, you know, strange in that way. And I, I could see him getting in the mix there. I mean, he's been in the mix of pretty much everything he's done in the past, you know, big event. So I, he's a guy I might take a chance on. I think. I think he's just a guy like you always hear this magic beans thing, and, it, and it's true. Like he just, he just somehow finds a way to get the ball in the hole, and you know he'll look absolutely dead, and all of a sudden he'll advance that maximum 150 yards, and he'll leave himself an up and down from 110 and make it. And it's just like, you know, whatever. He'll hole from the fairway like he just done the Canadian Open, but I don't know. Like Morikawa, I don't trust at all. And, no. I, and I want to play him because he's going to be so low-owned, and I thought about betting him because the price was so big, but what what are we basing that on, really? It's just the fact that he's won, you know, two of the last, whatever, seven majors. But, but, that, but that's what I said, though. So someone said to me, like, why does he always look such good value in a major? I was like, because he's won two of the last eight. Like, until that number goes two of the past 20, he's always going to look decent value. But that could realistically happen quite easily. Like... He could not yeah. win another major. He might never win another major again. I know that sounds very dramatic, but like we see players that are as good as not betting him over the years only win two majors and some win none. You know, so he is he is exceptional, but he's also got limitations. And I think when he's not doing the exceptional parts at his very best, it then makes it easy to kind of go against him. I mean, like miscut the memorial. 40th at the Charles Schwab, 55th at the PGA, 26th at the RBC Heritage, and really, like, one good round at the Masters to make him finish fifth. Uh, missed a couple of the players. A really good final round at 
Riviera's finished second. But otherwise, he's just been trash. Yeah, and this is what I kind of said. I know you agreed with me. Before Memorial, he was a really popular bet, and I was saying he doesn't do everything else well enough to make up for the fact if he's an above-average iron, above average iron player. If he's above-average iron player, he's not winning. No. He has to be the best iron player to win. Everything else is just too average. Well, he just used, he, he just used to be the best iron player, and he'd find his putting that week. Mm-hmm. And even that wouldn't be enough here. He'd need, to, he'd need to be good around the greens, and he'd need to be better off the tee than he generally is. Um, Victor Hovland. Same issues? Similar issues. And just one more thing about Morikawa, if you're looking for another reason not to be on him. Um, in that Northeast model I pulled up, he, he has 36 qualifying rounds like everybody else. He ranks 83 of 99 um, uh, in the Northeast. So he hasn't played. He hasn't really played well in the Northeast anywhere at any time. I've been look, kind of trying to look for it, and he hasn't. Um, Hovland kind of has, actually. He has some good good showings in, in these types of courses. Uh, I, I like him a little better than Morikawa just because I just think on a good week, he's very long and very straight. He can be playing from the right from the right spots. The around the green stuff, I think, is simultaneously it's important and also overplayed. I get I get the concerns of it, but I don't think it's debilitating enough to where he can't overcome it on one particular week. Well, he like, he was fine at the the PGA, right? Like that yeah. wasn't that wasn't his problem. So I think he was actually pretty high up in around the green that week. It was just his iron play wasn't strong enough. His off the tee wasn't great, you know. It, and that is his problem. Like. Again with Morikara, if he doesn't bring his best stuff to the party, then he's out. But that's got to be the same for everyone, right? Like if Rory Rackwood doesn't drive the ball well, he's not going to win. Like if he doesn't hit, you know, his long irons well, then game over. Like it's everyone's strength is also the weakness if they if they kind of miss it. So um, I'm guessing one of the guys that's going to be very popular to to lead teams is going to be Xander Schauffele at nine six. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, let me just look. Yeah, he's looking like. The highest owned guy anywhere from 8K and above. Does he deserve uh, that? Uh, I mean, it depends. If you if you want him to win, no. But if you look at his U.S. Open history, his last five, fifth, sixth, third, fifth, seventh. Yeah, he's played five U.S. Opens, never finished outside the top seven. Like it's disgraceful. But he's never had a chance to win any one of those U.S. Opens. Right, but at nine six, you might not need him to no. pair him with. You know. So that, that so that's the argument is if you have a guy that you think can win it in this low nines, high eights, like are you just taking a guy that you know can finish inside the top seven off the back of a huge? I think was it his best ever approach round or approach week at the Memorial? He had a, a really good iron week. Yeah, he did. Um, so, and if you think Zalatoris or is winning, or if you think Cam Smith is winning, you could just go Cam Smith. Um, and Xander, and you and you have a guy in the top five, and you guy who you think's the winner, and that and that makes you unique enough to where you're not starting Rory Xander, which I think people will, or um, you know Scheffler Xander or Xander Zalatoris. You're going to see a lot of that too. Yeah, I mean, starting with Smith Xander would make me shudder so much, but I think it's the sort of thing that you probably do have to do when we talk about strategy. Jordan Spieth's been on the radar for the last couple of majors. Um, obviously, missed his first ever. Masters Cup, and then was pretty disappointed to get the PGA. Now, I've got a theory. I think we we maybe touched upon this last week, or or we didn't. I've said it somewhere. I think he just got too caught up in Tiger's round. 
at that PGA Championship. I think that just hurt him. Like the first two days, he had Rory leading on day one. He had Tiger grinding on day two. Like I think it was just a terrible pairing for him. And you, the argument should be that if you're playing well enough, you can overcome that. And I would agree to an extent. But he then finished seventh and eighteenth his last two starts. I don't think Memorial was a great golf course for him. Uh, so I think the the eighteenth is absolutely fine. Like is Jordan Spieth being overlooked a little bit? Yeah, I think he I think he is, but well, <coughs> typical Jordan Spieth, you know, in the past five years, it's not a place you think would set up well for him. But new Jordan Spieth, he does hit a lot of fairways, um, and he does kind of the things that you know you didn't expect him to do before. And um, he's going to be a bit overlooked. I don't know if I'm if I could personally get there just because I don't see him winning the U.S. Open. I don't see him winning a difficult U.S. Open right now, but. Um, you know, maybe it's a zig where everyone else zags type of situation because he was very popular at the PGA. Well, so he won his US Open at Chambers Bay, didn't he? And that was, you know, he shouldn't have won the US Open at Chambers Bay. Like, there was someone else that should have won it. So, you know... Yeah, that was bad. His, his US a... Open record is tragic, actually, aside from his win. Like, for a player of his stature. Yep. Like... 21st, miscut, 17th, 37th, 35th, miscut, 65th, miscut, 19th. There is nothing <coughs> outside of the win that suggests that he could play well. And Chambers Bay was such a a different test that maybe you could actually throw that out. Uh, you, you can't take away major wins from people. It's ridiculous. But like in terms of whether he sets up well for a US Open, I'd probably rather just go and play with St. Andrews. Yeah, oh yeah, I think St. Andrews is a great spot for him. I would too. I, he hasn't really done it in the majors lately besides the Open last year. So I think, um, you know, I, I think for me, he, I agree with you that he's probably a little bit overlooked, but I, I personally would just rather play the guy right beneath him. Folks, sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing and the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com and that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Who is definitely going to be overlooked because he's unpopular and that's Dustin Johnson. And, you know, um, I don't think he's playing well enough to win. Um, but as to your point about Zandi, you don't necessarily need him to win. And, you know, you're going to talk about the, the modelling of the, the North East and things like that. But just aside from that, like, aside from it, so we talk about how Spieth's performed other than his win at the US Open. Dustin Johnson's won a US Open, finished second, third, fourth, eighth, sixth, 19th. Just very, very solid in, in US Open setups. He's he's probably, you know, beside Brooks, the best US Open player of, you know, the last 15 years. I mean, he... 
there's a lot of things I like about him, and I'm, I'm hoping to get a 30-plus on him to bet, and I, I want to bet it. I actually do think he can win um, because, one, he's such a good U.S. Open player. He's And he's every year he's he's pretty much been there. I mean, um, you know, not starting in 2014, fourth, second, should have been a first, first, <laughs> um, miscut, third, 35th, sixth. And, like, he's just always, always there. I think the live stuff, like you said, it's going to affect every guy differently, but for him, I think, like you said, monkey off the back. He can kind of breathe now. Whatever happens, happens. And it, and he's the type of guy who's not going to get overly worked up about the fans being on his ass and, or anything. I don't think he cares about that at all. Um, and he has been playing horrible. Like, he did miss the cut of the PGA, but I think he was in the bad wave. He did gain four strokes on approach. Um, he was 12th at the Masters, uh, ninth at the Players. You know, he's showing up in kind of the, in the big events still. And he did make three Eagles last week. Like I said, I, th- I, th- I think he was okay. And I like the fact that he actually played and, you know, and, and, and played decent. And I have a thing in my head. Imagine if it's the final day, if it's Rory and DJ in the final group, good versus evil. I think, I think the thing is with DJ, right, is like I almost have convinced myself that he's going to do well because the PJ Tour won't be able to show any clips of him on social media. <laughs> like they don't have his media rights anymore. So they cannot use Dustin Johnson in anything. I don't know. I don't quite know how that works, and I'm sure I'll find that out along the way. But like, are they? I don't think the fans will get on Dustin Johnson's back at all. I think if, if Dustin Johnson's playing well, the on-site fans will still support him. I think he's popular enough to to do that. Mm-hmm. I think the media will, and I think. If he gets paired with Rory McIlroy, that would be awkward. Rory McIlroy is not going to treat him any differently, by the way. Rory McIlroy will be fine with him. It right, and they're friends, and yeah. yeah. It, like, I, I don't see any bad blood, really, between them. I don't. I think Rory walks back a lot of what he says when it comes to any individual player um, for, for different reasons. I think it's more he was anxious about getting that $125 million sewn up. Like, I know it's coming. I want my money. Like, give it to me and get the first event out of the way. And now that's done, maybe he just comes in and, and plays well. Yeah. He's been decent with everything besides the putter. I mean, he's been putting bad, but you know, you know how quickly that can switch, especially for him. You, you know, there's really no way to predict from round to round, but um, yeah, I, I, at 9,400, I like him. He's right now he's looking at 4% and we said speed is overlooked. He's still going to be one third of the ownership of speed. He's just, um, he's going to be completely, you know, just irrelevant to, and most people are going to scroll right by his name because of the live stuff and because he's not playing that well. And for me, I just see that as an opportunity. I mean, Zalatoris, 18%, DJ four, the same price pretty much. Yeah. I mean, let's go on to Zalatoris. I mean, the, the, the credentials are obvious. Like he's been brilliant in major championships so far in his career. He's got what, two seconds and a six so far. He's, he's been absolutely superb. Should have probably won, uh, you know, probably should have played better in the final round of the PGA. I think he's a candidate for someone that might not might not benefit from the golf course. Like, I, I think his his best strengths will be negated slightly. Um, you know, he's, I know he's obviously a, a great iron player, and that's, that's a big factor. But I don't trust him necessarily around the greens as I would uh, some of the others. Like when you look at you know, Charles Schwab, he was 82nd, slightly shorter golf course. Um, I just think he stands, like, it would be much better. He would have much preferred to come to a, a wing foot or, a, you know, something like that, Beth Page Black or whatever, and, and, and really stand out because of his ball striking that he would come to one where it could be an all-round package. Yeah, 
I, I agree, and I'll probably fade him for that reason. But, you know, if you look, first of all, his finishes. Sixth, miscut. Second, miscut. Fifth, he's on pace for a miscut. That, that's one thing. But also, if you look at fairways gained, he's lost on fairways gained in nine of his past ten events. Isn't he, like, he does, le- legit, like, the most inaccurate driver of the golf ball? Yeah, he, he, so he's not really – he doesn't really do the things that – I mean, and he still he still gains a lot on greens and regulation. So that, that's just telling me that most courses you can get away with it if you're as skilled as him. And if, you you know, people are under the impression that this is a place you can't get away with that, then he's going to have trouble. And, and this is what I said, right? Like, it's just – it just depends how you see this golf course. Like if you think you can outmuscle it and when you're in the rough, advance it, you know, get on the green or close enough to the greens to make par and, and make your birdies elsewhere on the par fives, etc., then you're fine. Like go with Will's Allosaurus. But if you think you need an all round game where things are gonna get a little bit tricky once, you know, you, you find the rough, he's not the guy. Um I really like Will. I, I I really want him to win one. I'd, I'd love him to win a tournament, but I don't actually like him for this major. I'd probably, again, be another candidate for St. Andrews. So then you've got Patrick Cantlay, who you've kind of gone to bat for a couple of times. Are you over Patrick Cantlay now? Uh, I mean, the thing is, too, I faded him forever. My whole, you know, ever since I started doing this, I never liked him. And then all of a sudden, a couple of times in a row, I did, and um, it didn't go well. So that hasn't helped. With that being said... Jeez, <laughs> um, besides that miscut at the, at the PGA, he was third at Memorial and second at Heritage. It's like, is it the major thing that he just can't perform in majors? Because or is it those two golf courses? Right. If, if it's those two golf courses, in in theory, this is a pretty good spot for him. He's been very good in the Northeast. Um, he, you know, he when he's at his best, he's a very, he's one of the best long iron players. The thing that concerns me is just how he is in majors. I mean. It, I don't even know if it was a golf course at Southern Hills. He was just making shots that I never saw him make. He had 130 into the green and he would come up 20 yards short somehow. And I don't even understand how it's like that has to be mental in my eyes. So that's but the reason he, why I'm he's moving. like the guy that looks so switched on and focused and quiet because he's kind of got his head in the game whilst also simultaneously not thinking anything and just hitting the worst shots possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like Patrick Henley. I, I, I will will fade him just for the basis of, of how bad he's been in majors. And I sort of mentioned it before the PGA and, and luckily I was right for once, but like he missed the cut, of the PGA 39th at the masters, which is a good golf course for him. He ended, you know, 79 on Saturday when he was trying to get himself up there, uh, missed the cut of the players. And you just look at where he's contended, like Pebble beach plays very well. There Phoenix plays very well. There um, heritage plays well. Memorial plays well. That, that, that you can't, you can't take that away because if you're truly out of form, then you couldn't play well there, even if they're good golf courses like, right? Like we see this all the time, but he's just a very much, I think he's a limited golfer that has some good golf courses that suit him very, very well. Um, and, and that's kind of where he is. Because you look at like Riviera, 33rd, shouldn't that be a good Patrick Cantley golf course? Should be. And that and that could be a decent sort of look ahead for this one as well. So um, just, just the form in the events you'd hope he'd perform in just bother me slightly. And then you've got two other guys uh, in the 9K range, Hideki Matsuyama and Shane Lowry. I'm out on both. I'll be out on Shane, I imagine, just because I he's going to be popular just like he is every other week. Um, I don't love this course for him. It's not really the type of thing I see him playing that well at. Um, Hideki has been really, really good in this area. Uh, he's won the Northern Trust, and uh, I was there. 
and he was he's he's he likes these you know type of classical layouts you know the that I think this this is um it was bad at the PGA obviously the health is is a concern I don't I'm not gonna I'm not like looking to really go after him here but I I'm not gonna say I'm out on him yet it just I don't know I just so, so just for me like Larry I just think is progressing like which was was just always gonna come like he was just unsustainable and I know he's kind of playing okay in the final round of the Canadian Open. He's already two under through the first seven holes, and he's played pretty solidly a week, and maybe that changed things around. But it looked like he was just he was going off the boil with his ball striking, and, and if he hasn't got that, then, you know, you know what are we doing? Hideki just looks like he's he's just struggling, like, in general. Like, PGA was bad, and again, you can kind of forgive that because of weather splits and tee times and things like that, but... Like Valero, really, really bad, and then like Memorial missed the cut. Memorial was a good golf course for him. Mm-hmm. Very good. Did he? Did he just withdraw? He got, he got disqualified. That's right. What what was that? Oh, for his white paint, paint on the club face. That was weird. And it was Patrick Reed that called him out, right? Yeah. That's... Why would he think that was all right though? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, so... one that's bad, but two, if Patrick Reed's calling you out, then you've oh. you've got some wider issues. Um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know. Maybe blessing in disguise. He's had a couple of weeks off, and maybe just gets his health back. I, I don't know. He's um, cheap. He is cheap. I, I've been, I've been pushing Hideki a lot, hoping it was going to happen, and it hasn't. And maybe I'm just, I'm like that kind of. I've been burnt. I'm not going to get back in type thing. Um, what do you make of Wacky Neiman? I, I like him. I've actually been considering betting him. Um, I like what he does off the tee. I, I just think. Is he ready to win U.S. Open? Probably not. Um, but he's been he's been good. I mean, you look at best drivers, total drivers of the golf ball. It's hard to find anyone you know much better than him. So I, I was thinking about this right, and I, I you know I looked at we, we said this about Patrick Cantlay about can how quickly can he turn around a really bad major record. We said it about Sam Burns, Max Homer, like. And they've all kind of put in decent performances. So Tyrrell Hatton was bad at majors and then kind of shown up. And I just think Neiman's actually showing a little bit now. Like, you look at his last seven majors. He's made every single cut. He finished 23rd at the 2020 US Open, which was his second start in that tournament, first as a professional. And he goes 40th at Masters in 2021, 30th PGA, 31st US Open, 59th Open. Nothing spectacular, right? All, all very mundane average results for someone with his ability. 35th at the Masters in 2022, best finish in that event. 23rd at the PGA Championship, best finish in that event. I just think he's finding a comfortability of these weeks are the same as every every other week, Joaquin. Play play the way you do and you will succeed. And I think if he can keep that in his head, then I think the US Open is a really good spot for him because I, you know, he drives the ball well, he can scramble well. Um, I actually think he's quite sneaky. I mean, what, what is he, like top 20 in strokes going around the green and he was kind of top 10 the week before uh that kind of got skewed so i, I like it i think he's top top half in, in scrambling as well so i think he can just do things around the green that he needs to yeah he's gained strokes around the green in 12 of his past 13 events he's just one of the best players on tour around the green somehow and I, again he reminds me i've said this a lot of a young sergio garcia but mm. in terms of skill set um and he's kind of but I think he has a better mental state, you know, which isn't isn't raising the bar. Yeah, I was going to say, he's not hard, <laughs> is it? But uh, maybe he doesn't have the best role model for mental uh, approach. But uh, No, but... If, he, I, if his game's similar, then great. 
yeah, and I he is a, and he is a role model his too, I think. Um, but yeah, I think he's trending trending towards that memorial. Last time we saw him, we you know leading into the memorial, you and I both agreed, and the reason um, I don't think, and I think you said this, the reason we didn't bet him was because the irons were just weren't up to snuff is what he usually does. He gained six point three strokes on approach at memorial uh, to so go I, along with that. Four. I did bet it. I think oh, you you, did. you you told me I to be that, yeah, hasty yeah. because of the irons, and I and I and I and I agreed. Like that was a concern, but I bet him and Mito thinking like one of them was just going to kind of get some redemption and like I, I just I just really like he was bad that final day I'm pretty sure he took a couple of steps forward and then really if I remember rightly I was coming back from somewhere trying to track his score and he had chances to win and actually just faltered yeah um, but Horschel was playing well like or solidly enough to, to kind of hold people off and he had to chase and that and that was a difficult thing to do at Memorial so you know just he's just general form has just been really really solid uh, I, I do think now that, like we say about a lot of these players at his age, contending at a major is the next step, and and I think he's probably ready. Yeah, and he's look at the guys he's kind of around. Um, Cameron Young, who's going to be right there, I think he's a better player than him. Uh, and, you know, and the a couple guys above him too, I think he's as good as Alatoris, if not better. I, I don't think he's ready to win a U.S. Open, but at eighty nine hundred, I I just think it's great. And plus, the driving, I just love the way he drives the ball. And it just leaves you some freedom, right? Like, Ace mm-hmm. 900 is, is absolutely fine, to your point. And like you say, it's a pivot off of Cameron Young because Cameron mm-hmm. Young is going to be so popular. And, and for very good reason. I don't I don't really have anything bad I can say about Cameron Young. Well, last time I saw him, he shot like an 82. I, that's kind of bad. <laughs> it's true. It's true. His, and his approach numbers haven't been as good, but he's, he's off the tee. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like, what is he, second, first, third, and fourth, his last four starts in... Strokes going off the sea. It's yeah. But then well, again, yeah. it's if, if you don't have the full package here, are you going to succeed? And is he good enough around the greens? Some of these other events, you can get away with it. And even the PGA Championship historically, like you can just be great at something and and get away with it. But US Open, <coughs> you got to have you got to have the full the full game. And also, you know, I've been almost proven wrong, um, saying that these young guys have to pay their dues before they can win a major, um, but. This one, I just, I just think you have to, at the U.S. Open. Let's look at the last U.S. Open winners. Um, where are we? John Rahm. So, how many majors did he played before he won the U.S. Open? He had played. Twelve, maybe. Thirteen. Five, eight, ten, sixteen, nineteen, twenty-one. Yeah, that's a lot. Twenty-one majors he played, and he'd had one, two, three, four. Seven top tens mm-hmm. in majors already, and four of those come at the Masters, right? But he'd already had a top three finish at the U.S. Open at Pebble. Um, Bryson, what about Bryson? Pretty similar, I'm guessing. Yep. Um, he'd already had that fourth place finish at the PGA the the start before uh, major before. He'd already finished fifteenth in the U.S. Open in 2016 uh, when he first came out 20, uh, 25th at 2018 U.S. Open. So. Again, kind of paid his dues. Gary Woodland, a little bit different. Uh, Brooks Koepka, uh, you know, is what it is. But, you know, look at them, like DJ, Spieth, Keimer, Rose, Webb Simpson. They'd played these tournaments, but Webb Simpson hadn't, actually. Webb Simpson was maybe a little bit different. That was a strange year, though, too, right? Well, that was... A, so I was... So Olympic I, Club, right? Like, yeah. So Olympic Club was just short hitters only, right? Um, mm-hmm. But he'd finished 14th in the US Open the year before. So that was his second U.S. Open, 
and he'd, he'd already finished 14th. So even ones with limited starts uh, have actually had a good performance before. So interesting enough, I, I do think that's a, a good point. Um, He's played in two US Open, just missed the cut in both, right? Yeah. And and he wasn't the player he is today. So the argument is going to be that he's going to outperform that. And, and I, I expect him to play well, but I just, at the ownership and, and things like that, I'd rather just go to Neiman and, and take a chance. I'd always just rather go to Brooks and take a chance and hope he can, he can come out and win. Me too. Are we doing Brooks? Uh, if if it was <coughs> just the the bad recent form, I probably could overlook everything else. But he's been bad. He got married two weeks ago. He has the live stuff going on, which you know maybe he's similar to DJ Knock. Actually, I don't think he is. I think he's a little bit. He cares what people think. He he his biggest thing is pretending he doesn't care what people think. But I do think he does. Is he going? I, th- I think he's going, yeah, I do. I heard but, I heard Hideki too. Oh, that'd be sad. I heard I, I heard, like, heard they they're offering him like two hundred and fifty million because it's so strong for the Asian market. And that well, is that is that is massive. Two fifty million, yeah. That'd be tough to turn down if you're Hideki and that does make sense too because you know, and they do have a couple of events um in Asia too, so Yeah, you yeah. corner a market like it's yeah. It, 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 they're not stupid. Like the people no. think it's going to fail, and even if it does, the so let's just detract a little bit and go into this live stuff, right? I the, the tournament was a little bit soulless. I I, I would mm-hmm. like finance. It just looked very much money orientated, and there wasn't really much excitement and all that sort of stuff. But the product itself, the commentary was crap. But the and the leaderboard, I didn't like the uh, truncated names, but. I had that on all day in the background yesterday. There was no adverts. There was no interruptions. There was no like glitching or anything like that. There was zero problems. You just saw plenty of shots. You probably saw too many shots of people that didn't matter, but you saw plenty mm-hmm. of shots. The only problem they've got now is that there's 40 people that you don't give a shit about. And that's going to change in Portland. Oh yeah, that's going to change. Um, I agree with every. I agree with everything you said, and actually, I'm glad we brought this up because I have a couple things to say about it. First of all, I thought the product was good, um, you know, and I like, I like the fact that I can go on my phone, hit the YouTube app, and just watch it. Yeah. No bullshit. No like, ads. No. I think they need to stick to that. Yeah. I I think because they don't need to be on TV. I, no. I, eventually they do. If they if they're to to become the number one tour, they'll have to be on TV, right? But for now, like the best case scenario is that you can put that on your tablet or your phone on YouTube whilst you're watching the watching the DP World Tour or the or the Canadian Open if they were on the same day. Like, it's it's better to be on YouTube. Exactly, and and I do agree the soulless aspect of it is just because like what are they playing for? They care about the money. We don't care how much money these guys win. We want it. I, we care about legacy, and that's why we love golf. We want to see who can you know win the most majors and who can do these meaningful things. So th- that part I agree with, and. So I, I've kind of got painted as this live guy just because at the beginning when all this thing was happening, I had said more guys are going to come. And everyone said, yeah, right. You know why? Because they got Robert Garrigus. Yeah, this, this, is the, this is the old man senior tour. This tour. And I said, no, I'm telling you, guys are going to come. Trust me, they're going to come. And then people, you know, made I wasn't promoting live. I was just telling you what was going to happen. And then and then it did happen. And then, like I said, the goalposts change. They say, oh, well, you know, no, no one cares about these guys. Reed, everyone hates him. DJ, these are names. Bryson, 
he's one of the biggest names in golf right now. He might be the second biggest draw in golf in current day. And so like, I don't necessarily want it to succeed. I don't want it to succeed. I don't, I don't really care if it does or it doesn't, but um, I just wanted to talk about the product. Let's talk about, let's talk about why, you know, the soulless aspect of it, or what can they do to change that? Or what can the PGA tour do to keep these guys? I just think the conversation based off the, the, you know, the human rights thing, which I, I get it, I get it, but I want, I just want a different conversation. So I, I will be considered pro-live because of the way I talk. And I will accept that because I've been very, I'm very player pro. I don't think I'm pro the tour. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. care. Like mm-hmm. I would rather the PGA tour were just giving them guaranteed money. Uh, I just think there's, and I know it's an individual sport versus a team sport, and that's different in tennis, darts, snooker, whatever. You get the same thing. But, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy that, like, at their very peak is not earning the same amount as, like, the third man in the NBA team. Like, right. it, it's just not the same aspect. And the PJs all have more money to give. Now, the best-case scenario is they take the good things from Liv, which there are, you know, there are a couple of things, and there will be more down the line, by the way, and then they just put, they better their own product. Like we see it with like the XFL. The XFL mm-hmm. does something for two weeks, everyone loves it, and then the NFL just incorporate it, and the XFL liquidates. Like Greg Norman just wanted to be the guy that did it. He's just mm-hmm. wanted to do it for however many years, thirty years, or whatever, forty years, and he's finally done it. And I don't, I don't necessarily think he's gonna care whether it's here in ten years' time or not. Like, I just think he wants to be the guy, okay, I successfully put all these guys away from the PGA Tour. I told you I'd do it one day. Um, he's already accomplished his goal. He's fucked with these guys yeah, that he wanted to fuck like, with. He's, he's fine. Like, he's done. Like, and what I will say is that, like, it worked. They got the mm-hmm. event up and running. Everyone turned up. They played. The money was handed out. The caddies were treated well. The, TV, the, the YouTube was, you know, completely uninterrupted. Um... Has it got to be better? Of course, commentary was terrible. Um, you're seeing shots from guys at a 24 over par trying to make it sound like it's exciting because they're playing for team events. But I don't hate the team aspect. I think it, it looked really bad because the top three guys or top two guys were from the same team, so they couldn't lose. But mm-hmm. that won't happen every week. And, right. you know, I don't know. I, I just think everyone has an agenda and, it, and there's there's... By the way, human rights isn't an agenda. Human rights is human rights. It's, it's fucking awful. Like what they, it's inexcusable what they do. But to the points that I've made, and I'm not going to make them again on here. Like I've made the tweets and I've said what I think about other uh, human rights issues and and where I think we we've been before and not cared so much. The reason mm-hmm. they're getting so much hate towards it is because they can't afford for the PJ Tour to fail because then their jobs are at risk. Um, so let's attack it and make it easy. Like if John Rahm or Colin Morikawa, or whatever, go to live. Do you really think people are just going to stop liking them? Like Some, you know, that faction on Twitter you see, they're going to stop, but no one else, yeah, the rest aren't going to care. But then, but then, the trouble is that the guys they've got so far have been guys that are universally, um, not all disliked, but kind of polarizing, right? Like DJ yeah. is, you know, he's probably the, the most popular guy out of all of them, and he's the guy that still has... Um, some controversy and stuff, but whatever. They've got three of the last six ma- uh, Masters winners, um, and Bubba Watson's soon to follow. Uh, Hideki, if he follows, you know, 
it's you know good luck trying to get masters to to if they if they start getting rid of five or six guys out of their field it's already a short field um they can't they can't so my thing here is and people disagree <coughs> on it i think the pga tour needs to wave the white flag now say okay Right. All right. We're not going to suspend the guys, you know, and just put a little statement, say, you know, after conferring with our legal team, um, we decided that, you know, it's in the best interest of whatever to allow these guys to play in the events. We're still disappointed with their decision and we still believe the PGA Tour is the best place to play golf. Boom. Let these guys play both. Don't lose all your players. And now you're pigeonholing these guys and it's like you're making them, you know, you, you have a choice either being a hypocrite or losing your best players. And it's just a lose lose. Yeah. And. Like, okay, at the moment, you like everyone's like, oh, you won't miss DJ, you won't miss Reed, you won't miss Bryson. Well, almost every event will miss Bryson because, mm-hmm. like you said, he's one of the biggest pulls. So whether people like him or not, everyone goes out to the course because they haven't seen Bryson hit a driver before. So every tournament's going, shit, I wanted Bryson to Shambo. So there's that, that's one thing. Then you've got, it's very soon, it's going to be 48 players that everybody knows. Like at the mm-hmm. moment, there's 20 guys that people don't know, and 30 guys that people don't care about. When it's 48, maybe not in Portland, but the one after, and it's 48 PGA Tour regulars, then you've got a limited field all of a sudden. Like you're taking 48 out of 156 man field, and you know of those 156 man fields, it's already terrible. I mean, we've seen a couple of events this year where the alternates come in there. Was it John Huston came in as, a, as an alternate this week? Yeah, this week, it's like there's 10, 12 good guys, and that's it. And, you know, I think the, the, the great, and this is this is what's going to prolong what you were talking about, is that the Canadian Open couldn't have asked for a better leaderboard. Right. So all of a sudden, like, oh, look, we were right, all the best players are here and whatever. But, you know, does Wyndham Clark and Chris Kirk and Alex Smalley and Austin Cook and Doug Gim, Kelly Craft, do they move the needle? No, of course they don't. So there's just as many people that they don't care about as there is... Uh, they do so who knows right let's get back into the um the pricing and i'm trying to we've kind of spoken about brooks kepka this is the guy i want to talk about billy horshaw so Mm. i think he if if there was any course comps i've kind of discussed merriam with andy lack as a little bit of, of maybe a course comp that was the only time he's ever played well in a major he finished fourth that was his second ever major start, first as a professional. And he's just playing really well right now. Like, I know he has his off weeks, and I know it's, it's really hard to know when he's going to do it. But, like, Windsor Memorial, second at Bay Hill, 11th at the Farmers, where he started pretty well, 16th at the Honda. Like, he got all the wins that he got last season. He's another guy that hasn't, you know, like I just said, not played the majors very, very well in, in general. But... I just think he's settling down a little bit again. Like he's only 35 years old. It's not like he's like 40 and in search for a, a lifetime major performance. He's 35 and he's made he's missed one major cut in the last or two major cuts in the last 16. So he gets through the cut if nothing else. I like it. I, I think a lot of that makes sense. I guess one concern I would have is... 13, is... by the way. 16 was way optimistic. I'm counting too many squares. But but 13 major starts. Right. Um, he's coming off the biggest win of his life, um, which I don't know if I love. Um, and, you know, going back to where he plays well, 
he plays well at similar courses all the time. With Memorial, he wasn't playing well, but he goes back to a place where he had some very good course history at, at Murfield Village. Um, you know, obviously you can't determine course history at a place like this, but because, um, you know, none of them played here. But, yeah, it, it's tough. It's You know, he's one of those guys where if he misses the fairway, he's going to have 204. Yeah. From the rough, and that's my concern with him in terms of in terms of course fit a U.S. Open. But all the things that you're saying, I do agree with. It it just it gave me further confidence when you talked about the Boston area stuff because he was runner up in the Dell Tech mm-hmm. in 2014, which is when he went on that run of he then won the next two events. Um, just in hot form, probably. Like there's, there's probably a, definitely an element of that, but you no, know, just I just like the fact he's been there. I just think that he can. If he's going to do it, maybe it's a US Open. He just takes that kind of approach of, of finding the fairway and, you know, just plonking around a little bit. Um, it is a worry if he gets in that rough. We have to talk about Fitz. You can't do <laughs> you can't do the US Open preview without Fitz. Uh, 2013 US Amateur, he won, and that was obviously at this golf course. And I've, I've got an interesting note on that, that I didn't really tend to put anything in those in stock in those kind of things especially when it's been such a long time and you know the different setups different courses whatever in the end but 2013 he he you know wins that over oliver goss 2018 victor hovland wins the u.s amateur at pebble beach and 2019 he has he tied 12th at the u.s open that year which i think actually remains his best major finish and then you've got Michael Thompson, 2007, lost the US Amateur to Colt Nost in the final Olympic Club. 2012, finishes second. Maybe there is just something in this familiarity of... Maybe the US Amateurs are a decent indicator of, of what to expect at the next stage. I think that's definitely true. I mean, yeah, those US Amateurs are telling. I mean, the guys who play well, they typically end up being stars for the most part. Um, and this golf course is just so good for him. So it seems like there's a reason I know we talked a lot about his short game in the interviews, but like it's, you talk about long and straight, he's long and straight. He can, and even following him this week, I mean, he just hits it 320 in the fairway pretty much every time. And it's, it's unbelievable. And I, can you win? No. If you bet him at 25 to one, you're fucking crazy. But <laughs> at 8,500, can he come in fourth? Absolutely. Yeah. He, like, this, this, he's he, pissing everybody off this week and he's, He's going to be in sixth place in two seconds. You know, it's just... What's the ownership like? Is he going to be the highest owned guy? I think he will be... As of now, it's looking like 16%, so no. I mean, I still think Zalatoris comes in higher. I still think Rory, Rory comes in higher. Um, I think Homa's going to, you know, be close to him. Mito's going to be close to him. Sungjae's going to be close to him. So I, I think he's going to be high, but I don't think it's going to be an unplayable high. Yeah, I think that look, I don't have any concerns about him at 8,500. I, I will not bet him, but I will put it. You have to put him in lineups, like the way he's playing. Uh, Daniel Berger, 8,400. Now, he was on, he's on my bets. Um, and I think it was you that I, I sort of said I'd gone off Daniel Berger and you were going to play him. And, you know, you sort of said that, you know, he's just got his courses that he can win at and, and that's it. And you, you back him there and he's playing well. And I think this could be one for him. Like, He's got two top seven finishes in the US Open in the past, um, actually at kind of unsuitable golf courses like Torrey Pines and I guess what the other one was. Maybe it was Aaron Hills. Shinnecock? Was it Shinnecock? Yeah. Yep. So he's got Shinnecock and, and, um, and Torrey Pines. 
He's just come off a fifth place finish at the Memorial. Wasn't great in that final round, and, and I, I find him hard to trust, maybe. But I think the price, in terms of he was like 50 to 1 um, for betting purposes, I thought that was pretty good. Um, and, and I just think he's got enough in him to, to play him next week. Yeah, play-wise, I do think he, he makes some sense because when he's at his best, he can find the fairway, and he's one of the best long iron players on tour. So I think long iron is going to be really important, and I think he you know he, he does do that. Um, I just want to look at his fairways gained right now. Um, I mean, he's, if he's back hit, to back, he's been th- 28th and 36th his last two starts off the tee, which is pretty good for him considering his lack of distance. Um, so yeah, fair, he, he hits a lot of fairways, no doubt. Which, which is all I need him to do. Like that, he is very much at the. If I am going to find a shorter hitter that's going to contend, he's my guy. Like, and I, I don't necessarily think that's a safe approach, but I think it's a way of doing it. Like last three tracked events where he's made the cut, six, twenty seventh, and ninth in strokes going approach. So I, I do like him. You know, you're definitely convincing me and him in a play, bet wise, and I could be convinced on that too. I, I, my question: Does he have the balls to win a U.S. Open? No, probably not. Like I'm, Fitz doesn't, but I, I, he, he's not a Fitz. But I, I still can't picture him just going down and taking a U.S. Open down the stretch. I, I don't, I don't trust him to do anything. I, I just, I just thought the value was pretty good. I'm talking like in terms of the UK betting, you got it each way, and I thought there was decent value in that. I mean, you're getting kind of ten to one that he finishes inside the top nine. Like, I thought it was pretty good. Um, him and Fleetwood are both on my card for that same reason. That I think that there's some each way value. I'd probably trust Fleetwood to win more. I'd trust Sung Jae Im to win more. Um, but I think they all, all represent similar value in terms of betting uh, in their each-way terms. So, in on Daniel Berger? Yeah, I'll be in, in on him. Sam Burns. Out. <laughs> I, I don't think he could be overlooked this week. I, I think he's just playing too well now. I think it's I think it's to the point where, like, we don't need to second-guess anything with Sam Burns. He's now finally shown something out of major, finishing 20th at the PGA. I know it's not, you know, groundbreaking, but it's good enough to, to kind of suggest to me that he can go forward and, and take a chance at 8,300. You can take a chance, but, you know, a lot of people are going to be taking that chance. You know, I, he's going to be very popular just because he's he is, he's underpriced. I, he's underpriced. Yeah. Um, but the way he's playing, he's playing like a top, you know, seven player in the world and he's priced at 8300 so if you want to play him for that reason totally makes sense but u.s open he's been bad and i know he's a different player now but it's just like his you know he can get into trouble off the tee um i, I don't love the golf course for him and not another one that's better for st andrews yeah yeah probably you Although can... i don't love him for that either yeah <laughs> female homer hatton are you playing any of those guys? I feel the same way about home as I do Burns. I just don't yeah. love this type of setup for him. You know, he's he's playing well enough to where he can overcome it, just like Burns can. But I'd rather get a different profile of player. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, Finau, I think is you know he's been great in the Northeast. He's playing great right now. He's been he's great in majors. I I'd rather play Finau than either Burns or Homa. And I think because he's right in between those two guys, he's not going to be unowned. Uh, but he's going to be not crazy high on like he like he normally is. Yeah, I like Finau. I'm going to be playing a, a decent amount of Finau. And what about Hatton? Like just showing a little bit now. No, he can't hit enough fairways. He just like tracking him this week. I bet him this week. Mistake, but he just sprays the ball 
and he's been spraying the ball all year, and he's the guy, like I said, you know, talk about 205 from the rough. He's going to have that so much that I don't think he can he can overcome it. Um, yeah, fairways gains. He's lost nine of his last 11. Yeah, get rid of that then. That's fine. Um, Bryson, I think we're categorically out for now. Nah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, if he's healthy, just make a team. Just make a team live. Just make DJ Brooks, Bryson, Ustazen. I just want to see all the articles that come out about how much of it's a disgrace to the game when he, after he wins, and that I uh, maybe that's making me think he can do better than he can. But no, yeah, prob- you probably got to fade him. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I mean, you don't. He's one percent right, so it doesn't really matter, does it? It's just if you're if you're bold enough to do it, then then fair play. So. I am not sure about Corey Connors. And then I'm probably in on Pereira-wise, Fleetwood, Ustays, and him. Yeah, this is going to be a really popular range, with the exception of Louis. Um, very popular range. You know, Mito is going to be one of the highest guys. And he it makes a lot of sense. 7,800 for a guy who is probably one of the best complete drivers of the golf ball on tour, and especially this season. He's probably in the top three in terms of distance and accuracy, total driving. Um and he's cheap. I, I like him. He he fits those trends. Guys who played well in recent majors. He he's going to be popular, but for good reason. Um, I'll be out on Wise and definitely in on Fleetwood. Why out on Wise? I I just can't justify playing him over Mito or Tommy. No, I can understand that. I mean, he he just seems to be. I, I've just been very high on Aaron Wise for a long time, and he just seems to be pretty solid, right? Like he's. 17th for 23rd and two PGAs, 17th at a Masters, 35th at the US Open. Like he just seems to play them pretty well. You could argue that it's the US Open that he struggles to miss cuts, and look, he's not going to win. So it, it, you know, there's there are guys in here that I think can win. I think Fleetwood can win. Uh, I, I I don't think he will, but I think he can. Um, Louis can obviously win, even playing as badly as he is. Um, do you think Sanjay M can win? He's getting a lot of steam to win. Um, yeah, for me, it's that would be more of like, I think he can win. I do think he's capable of it. I think that would be more of a, if you want to bet him outright, bet him outright. He's looking like 21% on on DraftKings right now. He's going to be incredibly popular. And So do you think I, he's I a better bet, bet than, a, than a fantasy play? Absolutely. Just because just you could see him being the guy that misses a, cut, a, a high ownership? Yeah, he absolutely absolutely could miss the cut, um, and just because of his popularity, and I think you can just that's a good spot to gain leverage. Like I'd rather, you know, you're gonna make a choice. You're gonna fade Rory in the popular range, or uh, Xander, or whoever else. Or are you gonna fade a guy like him who's gonna be, you know, is he still a seventy six hundred dollar guy? And so I think I just think this. I, I think the thing with him is like my massive concern with him is like he cannot get out of the rough. Like if if he spends a day in the rough. It's 11 over, it's 8 over, 10 over, whatever. It's a horrendous round. He's, he's struggling to break 80 is how I feel about Song Jia. So you either look at that and go, well, he's been 1st, 3rd, and 7th, whatever he's been recently in off the tee. Um, and, and you think that he can just do that again. Or you look at it as like, if that deserts him for one week, he is done. Mm-hmm. Um, because his lines have been okay, but then they're, they're not like standout, are they? They've, yeah, they've been pretty good. I think he's since he's been back, he's gained like four or five strokes on approach, and 
all no no three three and a three three and a so half. So he's been which, he's, the last three events I can see that they've actually recorded strokes going. He's twentieth, twenty fourth, and seventeenth in the field in the field in strokes going approach. So it's good, like it's really solid and pleasing to see with some gym if you like it. But to me, it's like the standout feature of him is first, seventh, and twelfth off the tee, getting over three and a half strokes, and he's like seventh in the field in that time. Like I just I just don't trust that to be the case with some gym for too long. Um, so I, I think he's a great bet because if he's 60 to one and, and he does carry on with his off the tee stuff, then you've got a really good bet because I think he can contend. But I, I would be scared uh, in fantasy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's uh, that that's a bit, you know, I would rather bet him. I, I'm probably not going to bet him or play him in fantasy, but I just think I completely agree that better bet than a fantasy play. Yeah, I get that. I wanted to bet Keegan Bradley because of the ball striking. And I wanted to play him, but he has got an abysmal U.S. Open record. Like it is horrendous for a player that really his skill set should suggest he could he could actually perform well in this in this major. Right. Yeah. I, I think I I was thinking about him as well. I don't think he can, he can't win, so I don't think there's any reason to bet him. But I think he's played well in the Northeast. Obviously, he's from the Northeast, so I think that helps him. I think this course more so than these. I mean, a lot of these courses. He's just not long enough for. I know. He, I know he's somewhat long, but um, I just think, you know, if you think about Marion, you know, we've talked about a little bit profile of a guy like a Justin Rose. He kind of is one of those types of guys, right? And um, I think, you know, the U.S. Open record is concerning, but he fits should fit better for this one than than past ones. So 2014 was the U.S. Open. He can. Oh, he didn't contend. He was fourth. Pinehurst. So that was actually quite a long golf course, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely long. Um, he's he's kind of popular too, though, which is a little concerning. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just be out then because it's just so bad. Like 68th miscut, 4th, 27th miscut, 60th miscut, miscut, miscut. For someone that's so reliable, ball striking-wise, that's a, that's a concern. So <clears throat> you, you've got then, I mean, I'm not going to go player by player now because we've, we've been talking a long time. Who would be your other guys in the 7K range? Um, I looked at Webb a little bit just in case it plays the way that we, you know, think it could. And fairways are more important, and the shorter guys can compete. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily love him, but um, Reed I thought was pretty cheap at 7,200. He's playing pretty well, and uh, I thought 100 to one I saw in DraftKings today. I thought that'd be a pretty good bet as well. Yeah, I like Reed. I think I think Reed makes a ton of sense. I I still don't know where Webb Simpson is. Like everything I hear is positive, like from the camp. And, and that's good. Um, couldn't play at the Canadian Open, so we don't know what he would have been like this week. But, yeah, I mean, I guess the likes of Davis Riley are going to be popular in here. I guess Adam's, Adam Scott sends 200 popular or no? No, no, no. No one's going to play Scott. He's been, he's, been, he's been bad. I mean, the Adam Scott that we know that we thought he was or that he's been throughout his career is a great fit here, right? He's just a total driver of the ball. But, you know, 2022 Adam Scott is just a... Shit, strength. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shit. He's shit, but he, he's just like a guy who, you know, misses, just scrambles. He's like Spieth when Spieth was bad. That's who he's like. It's like he's making everything he does well is with the putter. He's done nothing really else well of note. But old Adam Scott, I would love to play here. I just can't trust just Adam Scott. So we will just do Justin Rose again, right? He's he's actually going nuts right he, now. He's flying out the leaderboard in in Canada, isn't he? Isn't he like tied fourth now? He's tied for fourth. He's seven under through 11. Um, a lot of it's with the putter this week. If you look at his stats going into the round, I don't know what it is today, but I guess that's, that's who he is now anyway. But 
if there's anything in the Marion link that obviously plays him well. And I think we've always just been playing him in these majors anyway, like recently because of the price. Like I said last week, we don't want to play him at a high price in this, but we'll play him in a low price at the major next week. And I'll probably stick to that. I think I probably will play him at 7,100. Yeah, look at the guys around him. I mean, he's a he has the upside that, you know, Lanto Griffin, EVR, Troy Merritt, Cameron Tringali, Sepp Straka. Those are all the guys around him. you got to play Rose and play for the upside. He can definitely have a top 10 here. I have too many concerns about anyone else in the 7K range to, to have any strong takes on them. I agree. I agree. Um, Leishman is the only... Uh, Sergio is, you know, he profiles pretty well for the course, but I think he's the exact opposite of DJ where he can't handle this live stuff. People are going to be... And people will be giving him shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a prime candidate. If he throws his club at some point out of frustration, they'll be hearing yeah. some uh, some words. And the Boston crowd are maybe not going to be so friendly. But... Um, I'm so done with Mark Leishman. Yeah. I was, I was like, I really like Mark Leishman, but he's just been bad. Like, and even when everyone thinks he's going to be good at decent value or high odds, he never is. Uh, he, he just, it's going to come back to bite me. He'll probably contend this week, but I, I'm so out on Mark Leishman for now. I'm out too. He did, you can't, he's going to be in the rough so much. He just can't hit fairways. So 6k Victor Perez. 6,800. He has found his game again. Uh, Jason just brought him up as kind of a, some sort of bet on the uh, the betting show, but just his last six events, and these are not adjusted for you know uh, average, but fourth missed cut, fourth, fourth ninth, second ninth in strokes gain off the tee. Wow! So he's the sixth best player in, in on tour tips in terms of off the tee uh, in that period, which is. Which is pretty important, right? Now, is that enough? Probably not. It's not enough to to, to win, and I, I certainly wouldn't advocate winning. Although I'm going to have a bet on him because you can get like 600 to one over here. But right, you know, strokes going to approach 18th, 16th, 14th, 21st, 6th. Like his ball striking has just come back, and <clears throat> this is a guy that I think you can actually trust to get through a cut. Like, if you look at some of his best performances, like he's won the Dunhill Links historic tournament, second at Wentworth. Fourth at the match play, he got one uh, eliminated by uh, Billy Horschel. Second at Abu Dhabi, big event for him. Fourth at the WGC uh, in China. Second at the Turkish Airlines Open, big event. Uh, fourth at the Saudi International with DJ in the field. Players tied ninth. 22nd at the PJ Championship in 2020. Like, I think he plays enough good golf at big events to suggest he's a decent price at 6800. Yeah, I mean, looking right now, he's under one percent owned you might have to edit this one out because i kind of want to keep those plays for ourselves now, <laughs> I, I i like all of that and um i i have been noticing him popping up on the uh dp uh leaderboards over there and look at guys around him he, they just have no ceiling whatsoever and he does i mean so his form right now is eighth miscut 21st 33rd first third and i always like seeing a guy back up a win like very quickly or contend straight after you know contending the week before so uh, really like that from Victor Perez. I think slightly sneaky, uh, 6,800. Other than that, it's tough. Fox, I mean, he's been <coughs> striking it pretty well, huh? So he's the same guy, right? Like, in terms of form, um, wasn't he inside the top 12 or 14 before the final round at the PGA? Yeah, I think he was, yeah, definitely in the top 20. He played He played three rounds of 70 and then shot a 77 on the final day, maybe just pushing to try and get in that top five. Um, mm-hmm. 6,700's good. So I would I would probably advocate those two guys um, if anyone wanted kind of 
European Tour or DP World Tour players. There's one player who we won't be able to talk about in terms of price because he's not in this pricing yet. And I haven't even got odds on him. Taylor Montgomery is playing really, really good golf on the Corn Ferry Tour right now. Like, incredibly solidly. And I've checked that he's actually in the field, and I'm pretty sure he is. Um, he, he's certainly showing up on the PJ Tour website as being in the field. But 4th, 13th, 4th, 2nd, 8th, his last five events on the Corn Ferry Tour. And we're just seeing now the Corn Ferry Tour form is translating into, into big stuff. I mean, he was actually second at the Utah Championship last year, which I'm pretty sure... No, that wasn't that event. I was thinking that was the event that um, Zalatoris had won. But uh, he, he, he looks like the type of guy that's playing the same sort of level as, as Zalatoris was. And he was actually 11th in uh, Torrey Pines earlier this season as well, when his PGA Tour started in 2022. So I just think he's playing really good golf right now, and... If, I'm guessing he's going to be one of those late ads. Yeah, that's good to know. And a couple of guys I wanted to ask you about. Um, I think I, I like the DP World Tour guys here because I think the ceiling might be a little bit higher. Like, um, then you know, how's Grayson Mar even in this field? I don't understand that. Or like Andrew Novak. And so I, I think his luck is next to Kevin Nar as well. Did you see that? I did see that. Yeah. Um, Crocker and um, Thunderbear. So Crocker is. Uh, I just have this kind of thing for Crocker that. I will just play him despite the fact it's a terrible idea. Um, but he, he has the right skill set. It's just whether he can do it on this stage. Um, I don't know about Alderson. I, I really don't. I mean, he played three decent rounds out of four. He shot an 84 on Saturday at the European Open, um, which makes me think that he could do that on uh, any given day uh, at US Open. I don't know if he's quite got the game for US Open, but isn't it like top 10 finishes at the Masters? Yeah, I mean, he's he's <coughs> you guys who've kind of come over here and really done very very well. So maybe him, um, but I think you're you're probably right and just play Perez instead. It was way he, safer. He's got three starts in the US Open. He's missed every cut. Yeah, yeah. US Open's probably not his probably not and he, his best. And he's sixth at the Masters and ninth and twelfth at the Open. So maybe just one to keep an eye on for for future majors. But I'm guessing maybe not this one. I mean, again, like. It's really dangerous just to rule people out based on what they've done in the past. Like, But the first ever US Open played 79-79, second 76-73, and the last one 71-77. So, you know, it's, it's just tough to see anything um, from him. Sean Crocker is, is like a, an unknown in terms of this level of field, uh, and you just don't really know what you're going to get. I mean, is there is there anybody that you have any confidence in that sits game range? Um, I'd probably say no. I mean, I think Kitayama's been playing all, you know, playing well this season. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can't trust him. <sighs> Phil, <laughs> good one. <laughs> uh, no, you can, no you can chuck him on your uh, six six man live team. Uh, yeah, there's, there's too many guys in the low sevens that I just trust more, and like the sixes, I just don't. And I, I like your Victor Fres call. I think he just has the skill set and he's safer than a lot of these other guys I, I would have thought about Keimer before he withdrew um yeah I'm not in on Keimer I, I I would have I would have potentially played Lucas Herbert just because I think he could play this golf course okay um but he's a guy that needs to be perfect off the tee which he isn't so um Wyndham Clark's playing well this week he's down there at 6800 is he a guy that we can see getting through a cut out major Probably not. Has he got through a cut out major before? Let's have a look. 
I'm assuming he's probably got himself in the US Open at some point. One miss, time, miss missed the cut, and then he finished 75th at last year's PGA. So there you go, he's made a cut. Yes. Uh, yes or no? So no. Yeah. No, there's no one I'm in. I mean, Sink, I'm sure is a guy who who could do okay, but I think he's kind of on the on the downtrend now. Finally. Um, so the idea yeah. is you have to avoid this range. You you need to be finishing your cards in the sevens. Yeah, which I think is okay because I think there's plenty of guys that, for whatever reason, Molinari is getting in, incredibly high ownership for 6900. Francesco Molinari? Yep. I mean, is it is it Francesco or is it his soul that's left him raised? <laughs> uh, well, I, I couldn't do that, but you know, more power to people. 55th at PGA, 26th at Memorial. Played really well at Memorial. I'm sure that's the reason why. Yeah, I, like, I think that's like I'd love for it to be him coming back, and if it, and if it is, it's something that could you know work in his favour. But I don't even remember him. I always thought he was a good fit for a US Open, but I don't think he's ever played that well at one. No, and then Brennan Grace. I I want to say he led the. Um, he was top five in the field in greens and rag in in, in London. So I don't know if that. Yeah. I, I... Ultimately, I don't think any of the fringe guys on the Live Tour are going to do anything. I think I think some of the superstars that are there could could make some noise, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, I'm just looking. If you play Victor Perez and Justin Rose in a lineup, you get some freedom. Um, I don't love it, but I like that. So you've got Justin Rose at 7100, Victor Perez at 70, uh, 6800. So at the moment, I've got Rory, Joaquin Neiman, and Xander Schauffele in there. And then you've got 7,100 left, which is the kind of kicker that maybe you're... That's not going to work. Like maybe you it, maybe you drop down from Neiman and take a cheaper guy in the eights. And... If you take Mito, I mean, not too much of a different guy, right? Fitz? Yeah, you could take Fitz instead, yep. So Fitz then means I can take... Ugh, it doesn't really work, because you, you then just got 75, which is Power, Bradley, Gooch, Simpson. It's tough. You can do. You, I think maybe drop down from Xander and Rory and go. Rory Fitz. And who was the third one? You said the higher price guy. It was Neiman. I don't know. I've, I've got rid of it now. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So I think I think the idea is that you, you if you're going to have an elite guy in there, you've kind of got to play one um, and make your mind up. I know you said you, you can get two guys in there, but just looking at the way those builds goes, it, it kind of frightens me going too much down to the seven K range. Yep. So yeah. I, yeah. What do you th- what do you I'm think? Good. Who's the cheapest player you think you could start with? Oh, um, I think the one pl- one tournament in the world you don't want to do that is the U.S. Open, right? Yeah. You you need you want to get one of these top guys because one of the guys is going to be in the mix. I think, um, you know, I think what you will see people do is Xander Zalatoris. I think that's going to be you know you uh, Sky puts out a um, most popular duped lineups or whatever. I think. Eight of the, eight of the twelve or whatever are going to start with, with Xander Zalator. So I would avoid that. Um, but I, I think the answer to your question is, could you start at that DJ if you think DJ's DJ, right? Yeah, I mean it'd be a great if DJ was DJ, he would be tenfold, wouldn't he? So you know it's it'd be interesting if he did start that way. You could start DJ Fitz and leave yourself with plenty of room to maneuver. But uh, that sounds like heartbreak to me. Um, Matt, let's get let's get into our let's get into our favorite players. I was just going to name names here. Uh, yep. Favorite guy above ten k. Uh, Rory. Yeah, I'm going to go Rory. I'm not even going to try and contest it. Nine uh, k. 
Dustin Johnson. Uh, it's not a great range. Like, unless you take Xander at just the chalk, like, it's not a good range, really, to have any confidence, I don't think. I'm going to take... Torres, yeah. I'm going to take Xander and just and just be safe. Uh, yep. AK. Okay. This is this is a this is a real decision maker. I think I think this could change the way your week goes. I mean, Fitz looks good. I I like Fino. Um, I'm gonna say Fino. I mean, I think Fino is such a safe top twenty this week. I, I think it. I think there's. I think there's a lot of upside there as well. I'm gonna go with Neiman. I, I believe in Neiman this week, and I think he could uh, he could step forward. Seven uh, K. Um, we might be the similar. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood. So I was going to say something. Like, I'm going to say Justin Rose. Uh, and one, one guy we didn't talk about that I that I just realized I want your opinion on Louis. Been great in majors. Going to be overlooked because of the live thing. Played last week. He's not. So I, so I originally said I was in on him, right? And uh, he's just playing so bad. It's yeah. just been so bad. But I don't. Again, I don't know if it's just get this one event out of the way, get paid, and I can concentrate on. You know, he's always been a guy that just plays well at majors, regardless what form he's in. So. I think you've got to play him in, so you've got to try him out in some lineups. But yep. uh, I trust Justin Rose a little bit more, which is a frightening statement. Six uh, K, Victor Jeez, Perez. Uh, yeah, you got you got the Perez one. Um, in terms of who I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be probably tailing you on the on the Perez Perez call there. But um, the I for a second guy, I will choose not Phil. <laughs> um, not Phil, surprising. I'm yeah, I'm choosing not Phil. I'll go. Um, by the way, that is the biggest story in golf outside of Tiger Woods ever. If Phil Mickelson won his first ever US Open after what he's done. Oh my god, that would be that would be amazing. <laughs> it would be absolutely ridiculous. I so I guess and I agree I like the, the DP guys in this range. I'll go um Fox just because of his the way he can yeah. you know tee to green. Fox and Perez is fine. I th- I think they're I think they're guys you can rely on, right? Um Matt US Open uh, preview in the books. We've got um, got some good events to look forward to. I think we've got Travellers next week, uh, which is always a fun one. Uh, another one, is that fairly local to you? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Nice. So if, you, if you're going to Travellers, wave to Matt. Uh, boo at him when uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick lets us all down again. And, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if, if DJ wins, then you can buy him a beer. But... Um, <laughs> It's all good. I think it was a good week. I think it was plenty of talking points. We've gone longer than we normally do, but uh, I enjoyed it and uh, I look forward to next week.